Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. So thank you, everyone. I see there's some, a lot of people in the chat. So thank you, uh, everyone who's attending. Um, you know, I would hope that this would be something that a lot of leaders would want to listen to or talk about because this is a, a wave that we haven't even touched on as much as we should. We, we're focused heavily on what we know and what makes us feel good. But the discomfortable things, we tend to kind of wait until we're forced to actually address them. And so I appreciate you guys that are here because this is something that is going to affect our morale, our retention, our workforce enthusiasm towards their jobs. And I know even from, it doesn't matter what profession, you can be a teacher, you can be a, a consultant, you can be a manager, you can be in any industry. Right now, the feelings that are driving people's behaviors are starting to bubble. I don't know if you guys have any stories you could share, but I know that there's a lot of people that are on this breaking edge and they're still surviving, but they have to um, keep pushing forward, but they're starting to wean down. And I don't know if you've seen that in your production or not, but you know, why I'm here to do this is because I am not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor, but I love the way the brain works. And, you know, like we were just talking, Amy and I were talking how we fell into the mortgage industry per se, but my passion is not so much mortgage, it's people. And mortgage is the venue in which I do it. But I love the concept of understanding how the mind works. And mortgage is a great doorway to see that from people getting their first house to the stress of getting there to closing all the different parameters and metrics, metrics with different departments. All those things fascinate me. But I lean into behavioral science, neurolinguistic programming, which I would love to talk to you guys about that more. And also just the concepts of really communication as a whole in our industry. So as I see what happened with COVID and where we are with the mostly everyone working from home remotely, there has been a major shift. And I do a lot of coaching and I have a lot of sidebar conversations and a meeting I have every Tuesday with a group of people. And I'm telling you, this is a very, very important topic. And I know, Amy, you and I were talking just yesterday, you were talking about how you know, even from you, from a processing standpoint, you had some struggles with stress and struggles with dealing with some of the anxiety that came with your role even before this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it kind of ebbs and flows, but, but typically it would, it would definitely ebb or, or it would be at its height in the high stress times, which makes complete sense, right? When you've got, you know, you're used to a pipeline of 40 and now you're dealing with, I was hearing on the call prior to this, you know, the processors with over a hundred in their pipeline, um, you know, there's only so much demand, you know, that you can take. And with that becomes, um, I think there's a lot of negativity that surrounds that because your coworkers are also frustrated and aggravated and sort of, you know, misery loves company, I think a lot of times too, in those situations. And so that stuff sort of starts to breed itself and people call and they complain about others. And, um, you know, in my situation, even as an ops manager, it was um, breaking points for my team with the LOs and the LOs not understanding that they've got, you know, or, or being very demanding and not understanding the workload. And so all, all of those things. um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then I think also when you're putting your, so much of your time, um, and realizing that you're spending less and less time with your family, or, or perhaps you can't go out to dinner with everybody that night because you've got to stay and work late because you have 12 loans closing tomorrow and four of them are having problems with funding, you know, mm-hmm. and that also, you know, then you become depressed. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think along with that too is, 
Well, I mean, I don't know if so much now, because from what I'm hearing, I mean, obviously people are making record bonuses um, per file, but I think sometimes you step back and think, you know, great, the money's great, but is it, is it worth it? And, and yeah. that's a tough um, position to be in, you know, mm-hmm. my family versus my career. And so it's very Well, hard. you hit on the head there. That's really the key. And everyone who's on the call, think about this um, career. I mean, that is what's changed. What our concept of priorities are. I mean, for the standpoint of being home from COVID, do you realize we don't dress up like we used to? So think about all the times you went shopping for clothing for work. Um, think of how many times you, you know, from wearing your shoes to, you know, the makeups, the, the, the dress clothes, the blazer. I wore my, I wore my blazer to Walmart because I just want to dress up, you know, just let me dress up for something. So we, we tend to, um, we're starting to see that what we found to be important is no longer important. And the culture shifting. And if you look at the Z generation and what's coming to the workforce as well, the freedom to be home and not feel like you're working is going to be the thing that's leaning into the energy of people right now. What people feel is like, I'm working, I'm spinning my wheels and I'm not getting much for it. And leaders, just if there's any leaders on the call, this is a thing that we've never really addressed because leaders will say, and I even seen it just today, how we hit record numbers and how we're doing phenomenal. And just so you know, from an NLP standpoint, that is not the best way to approach your success. It really isn't because what you're doing is you're approaching the success based off of your interpretation of what success is. But you think about from what Amy just brought up, what she's gone through as a processor who had 40 loans. And some of these people now have 90, 80, 60 who are working, you know, 12, 13 hour days when they hear that you're happy about the success, what that says to their subconscious is you're happy about their stress. And that makes you an enemy to them subconsciously. I'm not saying you're meaning to do that, but you literally are becoming an enemy to the person that you're leading. And we don't realize we're doing that to them, especially if you're saying how successful you are in your beautiful home and you have a backdrop that is showing a backyard or a deck and they're living in a one bedroom apartment and they have their desk right there in their bedroom. Does that make sense, Amy? Oh yeah. This, this is where we lose the concept of leadership when it comes to psychology. And this is why I say every leader needs to start thinking about getting into a space of learning psychology of behavioral science, not so much your business. I can walk into any business and tell you about the science of behavior doesn't matter what your company you are, what business you are. Matter of fact, my first consulting job was a, um, it was a company called Iron Co. in Phoenix. It was a steel manufacturing company. Um, and I knew nothing about steel manufacturing, but I hit it on the, on the head exactly what the problem was. And it had a lot to do with nothing but behavioral science because it has no relevance of our industry. It's about what human nature is. And so if you don't mind, I want to get some people's feedback, but I'm going to show you something real quick. Can I share a screen? Is that okay? Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so I'm going to share a screen, and let me just do this real quick because I don't know how, what I'm doing at the time. Well, he does that too. Um, guys on the call, I did um, allow everyone to, un- to allow everyone to talk. So if at some point you want to um, join the conversation, ask a question, um, ask something of Julian, you certainly can unmute yourself. You can raise your hand, but um, definitely please join yes. the conversation. Please the more- do, yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you for that. So I love this picture because this is where it all starts, you guys. I mean, if you look at this picture, it's a little sad, but what does that picture represent? It represents someone who doesn't feel apart. And behavioral science talks about the childhood emotions that we have. They never leave us. They're a part of us. So 
as a leader, when you talk to your employee, subconsciously, that feeling I had when I talked to my teacher or my mother when I was in trouble or being criticized or being corrected or being scrutinized about what I've done from a grade or from a drawing, whatever it might be, that emotion never leaves us. And that's the power of our choice and our consciousness. But knowing that as you're leading somebody or talking to someone, you have to remember that that childhood trigger, whatever it might be, good or bad, never leaves us. And so I'm going to have you guys play a little game with me here. And as soon as I can get this thing to work, I want to see if you guys can tell me if you understand this. Um, Looking at this picture right here, which one from one to six do you think is the person, is the visual of of, um, sad? And you guys can use this chat box or you can say it out loud. It doesn't matter. Or, Or anger. Sad, huh? Can you see which one's sad or which one's angry? I'm going to say, yeah, a couple people are saying. One is sad. Okay. One. So which one's contempt? Um, two. Yeah, Alex, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody says two. Which one is fear? Sounds <laughs> like all of them. So here's the thing. The fact that I'm asking this question, and I asked you on purpose for on reason, because I want you to see that really for you to determine someone's feelings is kind of the natural thing. We tend to do that. But NLP teaches you about body language, facial expressions, breathing, eyes, movement, those types of things. And it gives you kind of an idea, but we really never know. So you might have been right or wrong in your answers, but here's what, you know, we use this guy, I forgot his name. He's an actor who put these signs, uh, put his facial expressions together to dictate, dictate this. But as leaders, is it something that we can dictate and how do we manage that? How do we help people when they're feeling angry or sad or those types of things? And do they show it a way that gives you the ability to recognize it? That's the the thing that um, I want to talk about because I don't think it's our responsibility to do so, but it's our responsibility to be aware of how to curve if it is there, like what things we can do to make sure we're not adding to it. Case in point, we're doing phenomenal. I'm in my my, you know, 5,000 square foot home, I'm on the deck and you see my lake behind me and I'm talking about how great we're doing. Recognize that that might make one of your employees or several of your employees feel contempt towards their job because of the fact that they're breaking their back, not getting any rest and you're feeling like things are working and they've never seen your job in flow. All they know is you come up around happy talking about how great work is, they never see you stressed. So I want you to know that the way things are going now, this is what needs to change. And we've almost curved it by saying, you know, tell people who you are, share your story. Well, great. But if you're sharing your story and the next day you're showing your happiness, it doesn't, it's not enough. We have to figure out how to do this in the right way. So I'm going to give you a couple other exercises later, but keep this in mind. This is my whole, I love this picture because it's like the heartwarming picture of a girl saving a fish from drowning. And to me, it's just like symbol of how we might be doing it wrong, you know, just because our intentions are there. It doesn't mean it's the right way to do it, especially now, because with fear comes contempt because my safety, my security, everything that I hold dear to me, which is my instinct of, of protection, shelter, and food is in danger when I feel like I have no control. And that's where we are at this point. We don't have control. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if it's an election thing. We don't know if it's a a true virus thing. We don't know if the company, the, our, our, uh, our leaders are doing the right thing for us. We are being separated and divided by news and by all the words that trigger fear. 
And that creates content because I feel I'm in threat. So I want you guys to think about that, how we've been managing our, our teams and do you think we should, we can change that. So here's another real quick, I'm going to turn off these PowerPoints in a minute and have you guys talk to me, but here's a real thing. When I put this out here, this is amazing. I want you guys to answer this question. You, if you're comfortable, you can send the answer on chat, but you don't have to. But I want you to answer these questions to yourself or put something, if you're willing, in the chat. When I think about, and you leave it blank, my potential is hit with my own thoughts of fill in the blank. At the same time, I'm always thinking about the fact that I am. I'm going to ask you, anybody who wants to talk about it, does anybody have anything to say about that? Was it negative when you answered? Was it positive? I feel like mine was probably negative. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I mean, when I think about my potential, I think it was when I think about my potential of success, the mm -hmm. second, I don't remember the rest of the, I'm hit with something. And I think it was fear was my, mm -hmm. my word that came in after that. So I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's, this is the point because we no, normally go to the negative by human nature. And this is where it goes back to leaders. Understand when you understand human nature, you're, it's so much easier to understand why people feel this way. We t tend to lean towards the negative when we think of I, okay? So put this in perspective. We normally think negative when we think of I. So when we, this is because all we do is we focus on our background, our past based off of our future. So we don't look at our future as positive. We look at our future as past. And let me show you what I mean real quick. One more time. I don't know if you've seen this picture, Amy, anybody seen this picture, but if you look at this picture, you see people looking at the water. Do you guys see that? Mm -hmm. Right. See, let's look at this as being, this is what you're supposed to see, but you have a past. And so once you have a past, your past gets stuck in your brain. And so now you see a picture of a baby. You see the picture of the baby? Now what happens is no matter what, you can go and look at this water and these people looking and you'll always see the picture of the baby. And this is how the mind works. You have a filter that is bombarded with every emotional memory you have about you. And normally, going back to what I said earlier, we are very in contempt of anybody that threatens our emotional safety. So if I ask you, what do you, if when I think about I, Emotional safety is the comfort zone of that threat. I need to protect myself from that threat. So you normally see the threat and that's what comes to your mind. And so all of our employees, including myself and you, we tend to look at things from a negative perspective. Psychology know this, marketing knows this, political science knows this, by the way. Every television network knows this. This is why negative sells. So you have to understand that you by nature and your employees by nature are constantly looking for the negative. If you haven't experienced this, I promise you, if you give your employees a $50 gift card for every month, two months in, they're going to complain about giving them only $50 because negative is what drives behavior if you're not aware of it. So we have to understand that and how to teach you guys how to get away from that is you really understanding how to um, get into the psychology of communication. So I wanted to share that with you because it's very important to understand that we're in a space now where we've changed drastically. We're no longer, if you ever take an employee uh, personality test, we're not even caring about that anymore. We're now left from direct to spirited, considerate personalities to now people are um, manifestors or they're um, generators. They're, we've gotten to the spiritual world now. We're leaning our spiritual world into the business world. So leaders have to be more 
cognizant of how the mind works because that's more of the spiritual realm is the mind. So just keep that in, in perspective. So I rambled a little bit, kind of went on something. And, um, and then Sarah said, she said something similar to myself as Amy did, because so many things are unknown and don't feel stable. Exactly. And so when things don't feel stable, we tend to look at the negative by nature because it, that's your way of protecting yourself from danger by being alert to all the things that can go wrong. It's not you're a negative person. You're just human. But you know that. So you have to start walking yourself backwards. And there's an old saying, I have 99 problems. 98 of them are just made up in my head. And that's true because we tend to look at the negatives. But this is what causes depression. And I want you guys to know depression is an end result to a lot of other things. And so I want to talk about how you can catch those things going forward. So I rambled. Any questions so far? Because I said a lot. Yeah, Scott's got his hand up, actually. Scott, you're unmuted, so if you want to go ahead. Well, uh, thanks for unmuting me. Uh, hopefully our dog, my dogs don't bark in the background because uh, <laughs> I just muted my son who's waking up who's two. But Julian, Aww. good to see you again. And uh, Amy, thanks. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you remotely. Um, it wasn't a question per se because, um, you know, I, I forgot my initial response, but I was going to say I pocket dialed you, but I don't know what the pocket dial version of Zoom is. But anyways... I think what I, what I was thinking of when that when that question came up in terms of fill in the blank, and you reminded me of this before, Julian, of how many thoughts go through your head at any given second. I just that wasn't up there long enough for me to think of what I put in there because I could have put a lot of things in there, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't about being correct; it just was what was coming to my mind and what I wanted to say. And then we flipped to the next one. But I did see that baby slide before, and I still didn't remember that that was a baby I was looking for it, but. You had mentioned earlier in terms of, uh, and I know it's the semantics thing, right? And you talked about leaders and stuff like that. And then you mentioned in there, manage, right? And and I know we all know the, uh, and the distinction in terms of being, you know, managing versus being a leader. You know, 23 years in the mortgage business of, of, of thinking, you know, somewhat of a leader and not just truly managing and, and which, which I believe, you know, helped me succeed for, for many years was, was getting to the, you know, you know, you know, at, not knowing as much in, in terms of obviously of what, what you both know, um, or obviously in terms of the NLP staff or people's, you know, reading people, but just asking, you know, just asking, how are you like, and why are those goals important and stuff like that? Just being a real people person. Right. And that's been a real battle in my 20 years. And I'm with great, I've been with great companies and just. So Scott, you said something really important. You know, when we, let's talk about that. Cause I want to hold on to what yeah. Scott just brought yeah, up. Yeah, Cause I'll, I'll ramble. So no, it's okay. Yeah. So Scott brought up something really important. He goes, how are you doing now? Is that's a normal answer. That's a normal question. We ask people because it seems a polite question. Um, and here's the challenge with that question. It's almost goes back to when we're, um, let me say this when we're, asking people to tell us how they feel what we're doing is we're asking people to be open but again people emulate what they see they don't emulate what you tell them so the better way to do that is to first say hey do you mind if i share something with you so i've been going through some stuff lately and you name it you talk about it and i just wanted to share and i just wanted to i felt comfortable sharing that with you so 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 how are you feeling these days so what I've done is I've made it okay to be vulnerable because now I've become vulnerable. But what a lot of leaders do is they walk around confident because that's what we've been known to be confident, be in charge, have control, have all the answers. 
But what that does now, and this is not, this is, I know this is a hard thing to hear because it sounds crazy what I'm saying. It's always been there, but we've been able to cover it with gift cards and busyness, but now people are becoming stagnant and they're starting to second guess things. So when they see that you're, you're happy, you're confident, and you have all the answers and you say, how are you doing? I'm fine because you're fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to tell you I'm fine. You're going to see that as a weakness because you're obviously very strong. So the goal is to first be vulnerable if you want people to become vulnerable. You can't expect to be in control and have control and tell people they shouldn't. And that's one of the, the mind hacks that we have to start thinking about, learning how to be open and be exactly what you want to emulate. So that's a trick that we need to do. Now, I don't say you have to create problems, but you can talk about anything. You can say, my dog is sick. You know, you can just say, well, I'm just kind of down today. My dog has been sick. And I just, you know, so what, how are you doing? I mean, and they'll start helping you. And this is what happens when people that are, especially you're leading or they're helping you in some other way, it creates the dopamine in their body, oxytocin and dopamine produces in their body, which really is the chemical that helps lift a mood. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but if you've ever felt better after helping someone, that is a chemical reaction in your body from serving another person. So if you have somebody who's low, all you have to do is talk about your lows and let them help you and it lifts them up versus you trying to tell them, don't be sad, don't be upset. That just compounds it because your subconscious now hears be upset, be sad. So we have to learn to talk in a different way and opening up yourself is the best way to do that. So to, to Scott's point, asking people how you're doing is not the way to lead anymore. It might've been, but it wasn't necessarily the right way or the wrong way, but we've never really gotten to the science of it. And it's better to be open. And I tell you, from when I was managing people, and I'm not bragging, but I'm giving you an analogy. When I won, I won the award nine, eight years in a row of being an exceptional leader for the company I was with, only because I never talked business with any of my employees. All I did was talk about our lives. We talked about personal stuff and then they left the happiest employees out of that coaching session, if you will, because we never got into business because I didn't have to talk about business. It's obvious business needs to improve or they messed up. But if I get into this nitty gritty of them personally, they did better at their job. And so that was the key is if that makes sense. So to Scott's point, he brought it up. Um, I just want you guys to keep that in mind. Instead of asking people how they're doing, it's almost like a safe way of getting an answer and feeling like you've done your job, but you really haven't. It's just a safe way because they're going to say fine. I think, um, I forgot her name, Robin something says the F word is the worst word, fine. You know, it's, uh, mm. it's the word we use all the time and it's not true. It's like we definitely say that the block was really what we feel. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. I, I know even with talking you know, with my friends and having those kind of deep conversations, I, I always try to, even if I'm giving maybe some, some harsh advice or advice that, you know, I'm worried it may not be received well, mm -hmm. I always make sure to tell a story about myself where, I, you know, I was in this, a similar situation and I've done that. I felt like that before. And it just makes it a lot easier to get that that open conversation. And, and it's, you know, I've been told by them that I'm so easy to talk to. And I think that's, that's why, because if you can't be vulnerable yourself, then like you said, how can you expect somebody else to be vulnerable? And to your point, I mean, I don't know, Stephen, if you wanted to to chime in, I think you were on one of our calls and, and said that you were one of the, th were you saying that you call your employees, you check up, you check in on them? Um, or you were doing that early on just to see if everybody was doing okay and, and asking your, how they were doing? 
don't know if Steve's Stephen Miller. Yeah. I don't know. He might be multitasking right now. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think he was, I think he was one of the guys that was, if I remember know, correctly. Yeah. He said he was reaching out, you know, that personal touch was one of the ways that he was showing, um, you know, that he was in touch with his workforce and in touch with his employees was to yeah. personally call them. And that's, you know, that's huge getting a call from your CEO. Yeah, um, it is. It's really huge. And a good thing, it goes back to understanding there's a, what we call in psychology, they call it cognitive dissonance. And it's really what's happening now is that, if you look at what we're being told, and even myself, I've seen this myself by doing my own little investigation of it, we're constantly being bombarded with like how things should be. But then we're living a life that's different than that. And so we tend to take that personally, like maybe there's something wrong with me. And so this goes to anybody who's a recruiter right now. I know that Delilah just posted something a day about recruiting and getting to get in touching with your people and uh, because I know she is, she's a uh, Lila Ramos. She's she's on LinkedIn all day long, and she was talking about getting in touch with people that you're trying to recruit, and and I was challenging her about this whole concept about you know instead of talking about how great your company is, you really should talk about the challenges. I know it sounds crazy, but what I expect when I get there is where my disappointment comes in, right? So talk about how hard it is, and, and Amy, we talked about this. You know, talk about the challenges that we face as a team. Because the reward, when we work together as a team through these challenges, it is, that is what's rewarding. Don't say anything's easy because our industry, there's nothing easy. There's always a glitch. You know, even with the best file, there's something wrong. I had one a day that was a CD, wasn't balanced right. And it was like, then they, it just ran off. It was like, oh, well, now we found out. It's like, oh, now we found out, right? So it's always something that's going to happen. So if you tell me this job is going to be, better and easier than where I was. And the first thing that happens, my subconscious goes up, they're lying. You can't trust them either. And that is the challenge we're in our business. Why people are jumping ship so much is because they've never really trusted us to begin with. And so we have to build that trust and the trust comes from accepting the fact that you can be vulnerable so they can be vulnerable because they'll keep pointing the finger at everybody else, but themselves. If you don't, if that makes sense, I talk in code a little bit, but, um, that cognitive business is a big, big issue in our, in our industry. So any questions about this? I'm, you know, and I'm talking about depression, but I'm talking about what's leading to depression. And I don't know how much time I have, Amy, but there's a one slide that I'll show that I want you guys to keep and I'll talk through it. Cause I think it's a more of the science behind it that you can do as leaders with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers and with your people that you're, uh, you're leading that these are just scientific proof that you can do things that are going to help the subconscious feel better, a curve in the right direction. You can't stop depression. That's really up to the individual, but you really want to be aware of what you're doing to contribute or to aggravate some type of emotion. That's not the positive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. We are fine on time. Got about 15 Okay. Minutes. Any other questions? I mean, anybody have any scenarios, uh, anything you want to share or any, Comments that you want to bring up? I actually yeah. wanted you to, uh, you bring it up a lot, but I'm not sure if everybody on the call knows exactly what it is or, or when you're, when you're referring to it, but neuralistic programming, is that yeah, extended conversation or could you? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's always the tagline is NLP yeah. and it really is. It's actually a sutra from the 5,000 BC, uh, uh, the verdict text. It talks about how words create visuals. Now, ironically, 
your your subconscious works in pictures. So if I say to you, you know, I walked my dog today, you're going to imagine a dog being walked by somebody. It could be me. It could just you, you visualize a dog. Your your subconscious is rolling forty thousand pictures per second. I mean, it's just amazing what the subconscious does. So NLP is really understanding that the subconscious controls you. 99% is like you think you're conscious, but your subconscious dictates your feelings. So NLP says, if I say the word, all right, Trump, there is a feeling that comes up with some people. If I say the word Biden, there is a feeling that comes up with somebody. There is a picture and that picture creates a chemical reaction in the body that actually creates a, either a cortisol dopamine, oxytocin, whatever it might be, is going to create several, there's 140 different chemicals that will combine and produce that creates a emotional charge. And that becomes your persona. That becomes how you act. You pursue this. That's what you show to others. Now, how they perceive it is it's a whole different thing. That's another chemical reaction. But NLP is saying, if you can understand the words you use and how they dictate the chemical reaction in your body and the emotion that is, comes from that, that is really understanding how to control who you are and, and, to, and create who you are. So you stop saying words like, I'm so tired of this, or you make me sick, or every time I talk to you, ask me this question, because now you've made every, like every time versus this one time, and you've made an issue bigger. So NLP is really learning how to dictate that. Now, body language we comes have the own, We have the ability to change that within ourselves. Yes. So that we can essentially control the chemical reactions that we have? Is absolutely. That- absolutely. I do it all the time. And we all did it as kids. You know, think about a kid imagining things, you know, the imagination. That's why the word imagine is a powerful word. So if you're dealing with an employee, say, imagine this and then pause and then say things like, I don't know if you're open to this, but I want you to imagine something because now you're prompting the, uh, the mind to start imagining. And then they start visualizing what you want them to visualize. So, Great point is this, is I say this all the time, none of your employees, including probably you or me, graduated school saying one day I want to work in the mortgage industry. No one ever said that, right? It, most of us said I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to help people. So the goal is to find out what people want to do, whatever venue that might be, and then say things like, you know what, I don't know if you're open to this, but imagine this. Imagine you're working here for just another year, but in that process, you are taking steps that are getting you to become that hairstylist you've always wanted to be. And then you're being supported through us to get there. How would that feel? Wow. I feel good. Well, awesome. So let's talk about some ideas we have together that will get us to that space. I said us, not you, but us where you, you know, us where you, we can get to you to be that because what you want them to do is start imagining because the word hope or if I'm on the right track, creates an enormous amount of dopamine. If I feel like I'm moving in the right direction, dopamine is infused in my body. And I don't mind working hard for this if I know it's going to get me someplace else. It's the same reason why people will go to the doctor and have surgery, knowing they're going to experience pain because afterwards they have hope that they're going to feel better. It's the same exact concept. It's like knowing I have a purpose to be here. But we think our employees want to work for this. And I'm telling you, they don't. <laughs> it is an honest and goodness truth. If you took the computer out of the equation and say, give me honest feedback on a sticky note and I can't read your writing, you will get honest answers. But computers are dick. We know they're connected to us. And so we're not going to be that honest on our feedback forms. 
But if you really want to know the truth, most of us don't. So this key is really understanding that. So I hope I explained NLP. I kind of went long version there, but it's really a powerful thing. And it's really simple, but it's so simple. We think it's, it's childish, but it is very, very powerful. Awesome. Thank you. I get it now. <laughs> um, and so I guess, so I, you know, we've got a, about 10 minutes left here. Um, just kind of want to recap uh, for the people on the call and the leaders. Um, you know, the call was about de- work, workforce depression and morale. We kind of mentioned, or you mentioned a, a couple of things that they can do. Um, but do you want to kind of recap that? Like what, what are the best takeaways from this conversation um, going back to their organizations and saying, okay, how do I, um, going forward, you know, how do I touch base with my employees? How do I figure out what's going on with them? What are, what are a couple of things you think that they can, that they can implement? So a great question. Um, I can show you the screen. I, maybe I'll show the screen to you, but one thing is understand that it takes about laughter is one of the most powerful, powerful things you can do with your employees, yes. having a good laugh with people. So breaking away from the norm, not having business conversation, it's best when it's done with the concept that we have to have a business conversation and then changing the flow in midstream. You know, like I changed my mind. I don't want to have a business conversation. I just want to talk to you. I just want to have a conversation. Can I, can I share something with you and make it where it's impromptu, where it's almost like it's just top of mind. I'd rather just do this. Be rogue in that way. Um, Calibration, you know, really getting people to get third-party validation. This is really important more than ever now because information is now through tweets, TikToks, YouTubes. Instead of having answers, ask people to find an answer that sounds right to them and then collaborate on the different answers you get. So if it comes to service satisfactory, if it comes to streamlining a process, if it comes to how do we make sure that we're communicating better? What are some things you can find on YouTube? What influencers out there are you listening to? Whether it be uh, Gary Vee or, you know, Sharma, whoever it might be, let them bring answers to you. And you'd be like, wow, I thank you for that. Another big thing is stop using the names that we've used in the past. I know that's a crazy one. And I never really brought this up before, but People don't want to be managers anymore. It's stressful. They don't want to be stressed. They don't want to move up. But if you give them a word, say, you know what? You're a major influencer in the team. I really appreciate that. Can I call you influencer? Can I make that your title? Do you mind? That kind of stuff is going to make a difference. You're the neuro hacker. You're the game changer. You're, you know, give creative names so people can create their own image off of it because. I like game changer. (laughs) The what? Game changer. I like that. Yeah. I mean. As a new title. Those are powerful things to do because those are the norm conversations out there now. You know, I'm known as, I'm called a neuro hacker. I have friends that are, I'm an influencer. What, what is that? So if I'm a manager, well, that sucks. He's an influencer. <laughs> so, yeah. right? so um, again, another thing to do is when you're talking to people, especially on video, there's things you have to know that matter. When you're emphasizing things, your tone of voice and eye contact through the camera don't, and a lot of people do this, they'll look at the picture that they're talking to and their head is I'm looking at your pictures right now, but now I'm looking at that little dot in the camera. You know, I do that. I'm looking at you when I talk. Yeah. So get used to looking at that dot, looking at the whole in Hollywood. I'm from Hollywood. You know that. So you're taught to look at this little round thing and you have to act like you're talking to someone get into norm of doing that. Like I'm looking at that little hole there and talking to you as if I'm talking to a real person and imagine you are, because that's going to come across better than you looking like, hi, John, you know, so it was just <laughs> something to keep in. I know this sounds crazy, but it is a very important thing. Um, and stories and 
always use stories. Give your stories. Don't give their stories, but give your story first so people can visualize you in a comical way, a real way, a personable way, um, and then allow them to laugh at you and you laugh at yourself. That's really one of the biggest things. Um, there was one I had over here that I, I, I just, oh, another really important thing is get people to move their eyes side to side. So if you have a presentation of something you want them to do, having them walk forward and move their eyes side to side is a physical movement of moving forward, what makes people feel better. Dopamine creates. So if you take them, say, get on your phone and FaceTime me, let's not do the Zoom, walk and just, you know, just walk with me on the, and I'll walk outside, you walk outside, put in your FaceTime. That is a dopamine creator. It creates dopamine because the body is in the sense of moving forward and your body eyes normally shift from left to right and it creates dopamine in the brain and makes people feel better. So it's a really weird thing to say, but it's something that people should start doing more. Awesome. Interesting. Anybody on the call have any questions or anything to add to what Julian has provided us um, with today? Alex says, those are all great ideas and I hope to not... I hope not to come across negative negatively, but honestly, it just seems like a lot of pressure not being a licensed therapist to be responsible for employees' mental well-being. Yikes. <laughs> you know, and I love, Alexander, thank you for sharing that. That is an honest question, honest statement, I should say. And you're not. This is what I want you guys to see. This is more about being a leader that is aware of aware, human nature. Yeah. yeah. It's really you know about- that it being, exists. Yeah. yeah, And it should change how you behave. And I, I used this last time when we were in a conversation. If you see your employees not doing well or did something wrong, like even the day my CD thing, the, the employee was extremely defensive with me at first. And I used the analogy you and I talked about about the hospital with her. I told her a story and mm-hmm. she laughed and she's like, I, so I'm like, hey, we're in a hospital. These things happen, right? I mean, she's like, yeah, you're right. And she thanked me for not like ripping her one because that's what she's used to. And now she's working overtime to, to fix things because I'm not being that person that she expected. So the goal is really not to change people you can't. To Alexander's point, we're not there, but we can be aware of it. Just like being aware of PTSD, if you see it happening, you know that you need to do dot, 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 right? So that's a great question, though. Um, yeah, and I think to, to your point, uh, Julian, that, that- – in that position, like with the CD or the closers, that they, they, they are put in a position of having to be defensive yeah, all are. the time. And so even when someone's not coming across that way or not meaning to, it's your it's your knee-jerk reaction to put up your defenses because you've been all day long having to defend yourself and and what's going on. So it goes I back to the picture of the baby stuff. in the water. It's like you have that image of what's going to happen and you respond mm-hmm. to it. And that's the key is curving that image and you can't take away their image, but you can literally give them a new experience. And over time, that becomes the new image, but it has to be consistent. It yeah. can't be just a one-time hit. It has to be a consistency over time with leadership. So that's a great point. Scott says something here. I think this is also much in need in need in the mortgage space. There has been too much focus on numbers and not the people behind the numbers. I totally agree, Scott. Um, yeah. Like Julian said before. Yeah. And it's, you know, here's the thing about mortgage is that we're all siloed. I mean, like closing department is a whole different department than underwriting department. And they, in some companies, hardly ever talk. And same with, you know, sales. They'll have a great meeting about sales and really have not pulled in the, the, the backbreaking that's happened with underwriting to get those things closed and funded. So we tend to be very siloed. And because of that, we are automatically each other's foes in a lot of ways. And so I, I beg us to kind of look at it from a Starship Enterprise perspective. You know, I use that analogy. I know it sounds silly. I am a Trekkie. Okay. Call me a nerd. But 
the reality is Spock and Captain Kirk had to learn that their differences is what made them successful. At the same time, it didn't matter who was the, the owner of that department, Scotty engine room, but if he's not there, someone else is running there to fix it. That is the whole concept of what we need to start thinking about. We are not individual departments running a ship. We are one ship with different departments. And that is the key to getting successful. And until we start owning that, so we're going to always have these pressure breaking moments in places within the industry. For instance, you might be hiring a bunch of underwriters, but we're not, you might not be hiring enough closers. So now you're just putting a bunch of stress on the closing department. So we have to really be holistic and look at the big picture. And that's going to help with, you know, people's trust and people's feelings towards their job. And it's a huge, I, I, I can't turn the ship. Only we can as a collective whole. And that's a huge discussion, how to do it. Get your employees to give you some ideas. I mean, bring them into some of these meetings. Take somebody from closing, have them go to underwriting meeting. Have somebody from sales go to underwriting and closing meeting. Have them involved so there's more of an empathy and a reality check of what this big industry is all about. Because in all due respect, a lot of us only know our department, but we don't know the industry. So we need to broaden ourselves. We used to talk about that all the time. Like I would, you know, you'd want your ops people to spend a day in the life of, a, of, of an LO and vice versa. Take your LO and put them in an underwriter seat for, for the day and, yeah. and make them underwrite his own files. <laughs> yeah. And they'll say, there's no time. There's no time. It, there really, is time. <laughs> right. And speaking about personalities, you know, there's a certain personality that works really well as a processor or as an underwriter, but that same personality would be horrendous as, a, as an LO or a salesperson. So the, those personality types you know, if we could find a way to, I mean, they, I, you have to work together, right? Like there's no way around that. Um, but to find how they mesh really well together and sort of find that dividing line, like these personality types, here's what they do well together. And we know the things that don't, you know, we know the differences, but what are the similarities? It's and, a great okay. point. It, it, we always, there's always something we don't get along. Even your own spouse, you don't get along with in certain areas, yeah. but you know, so it's not about getting along. It's about the purpose of okay. why we're here to get to work together and why we're here yeah. to get along. It's not, do we get along? It's why we're here to get along. So we're here to get along for dot, dot, dot. And that's called a phileo relationship. We have a common goal together. That's a Greek word for phileo. It's like phileo love. It's a common goal to get there. You know, it's not a selfish reason for here. It's like, we're trying to get somewhere together. And, you know, and I say this to anybody, you know, it's like, we have to understand that our industry is extremely complex. There is no real fix. There's only mechanisms to improve. But as soon as we improve, there's going to be a new thing that pops up. But that's, at least we're working on improving continuously, not knowing what comes next, but being willing to adapt and change. And that's don't be rigid, just be willing to do that. And that will make life so much easier for everyone. And I would say, I love our processors and underwriters and everybody who's working so hard, but you know, this will shift a little bit. We're going to see a shift a little bit in the market. I don't know when, but I'm not predicting, but we have to ask ourselves, what are we going to do when we're not as busy? Are we going to produce and and develop our people and let them develop themselves and give them the freedom and autonomy and to grow and be themselves? Are we going to be rigid and be the same for the next wave to happen again, because it's just going to create a new shock to the system, and it's not going to it's going to repeat itself. Right? right. So, mm-hmm. hope it doesn't happen. Scott, so. Scott, his hand up. Um, so then we'll listen to Scott and probably wrap it up here in a few minutes. Um, Scott, go ahead. Uh, well, thank you. I, and, and I think you guys have covered a lot of great stuff, and I always, you know, love surrounding myself with people like yourselves. So I don't want to make it mortgage specific because I'm not sure if everybody on this call is the mortgage industry. 
you know, I, 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 and I'm not going to proclaim that I was one in high school that said, I want to grow up and be a mortgage loan <laughs> officer. Um, and Julian knows as, as, a, as, as many of us are, um, even though I love the industry and grateful, but, um, you know, it just, it, you know, there's, there's, yeah, you got to bob and weave, right. And stuff I'm learning from Julian and others that have been so blessed to meet over the last couple of years, has just helped me ground myself after 20 years. But what I do think is that, you know, when you talk about the vulnerability aspect, whether it's in the job or home relationships, right. You know, there's like you had said, like that, you know, you don't have to go to school. In my experience, you have to go to school to learn to be vulnerable or, or you don't have to go to school to learn that, you know, yes, it takes practice. Right. But it comes from within, like, you know, just every little bit, you know, and, and I, I learned that obviously, or I learned that from having a, a, a very bad injury and, you know, being like, you know what, I don't care really what people think about me in that respect. You know, I, I'm more better good sharing this with people than others. And so it may become a little bit more easily and it's hard, you know, where, but I think in our industry as a whole, like too many people are too afraid to put their hands up, right? Because, you know, if they're in trouble, if you're overwhelmed as a processor with CC jackets, you're better, you know, and in my experience, again, you see, you know, people want to kind of, you know, Bob and we even say, I got this and I get this versus saying, hey, I need some help. And that's been really my my focus over the last five years in the industry, maybe 10 years of saying, you know, it's okay. And, and, and from a leadership standpoint or from leaders above me is you have to let people know it's okay to raise their hand. Well, Scott, you hit another head. That's a big part of our training and development. We've put week-long training together and we assume people remember their training and they're good to go. Training is continuous. It, it shouldn't be a week-long training and never touch base and assume that they have all the answers. And we have a huge database in our system, our intranets that say the answers are there. Just, you know, find it on our computer. What you're saying is if you have any questions, something's wrong with you and we have access to a system, you just got to spend an hour looking for it. Don't bother me. And, you know, this is where, Scott, just that's a whole other conversation, but training is more about continuous education. We learn in snippets, not in, in bulk. And our brain can only hold so much attention. I think attention is shorter than a goldfish now is what they said, thanks to social media. So we have to really understand that we have to learn how to be vulnerable. And it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay not to have an answer. It's okay to not get it. You know, just because you're in the mortgage industry and you're professional doesn't mean you have answers or you get it. I have an executive who did, I consulted who had no clue what a basis point was. And he was an executive in the mortgage industry, but he was hired in from the credit card department to run the, the mortgage. And he literally asked me, what's a basis point? I didn't laugh at him. I was like, that's a great question. A lot of people don't know that. You know that? And I'm glad you asked. And I told him, but a lot of people are like, you don't know what a basis point is. So then that tells him, don't ask questions that might sound stupid to somebody. So we have to be very careful and understand we want people to ask questions and reward it, you know, and, and start recognizing people that do. And that's going to be a huge lift for any company if we start doing that. So anyway, that's it. Scott brought up another good question. We should have based everything off of Scott's comments. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thanks so much for, for speaking up and for contributing today. We really appreciate it. And um, we are about out of time here. So um, if anybody has any well, let me do this real quick. I want to do this. I'm going to share the screen for you guys okay. to screenshot it. Let me just share it real quick so you can have it. And uh, All right. I want you guys to have this. And it's just a really important screen. If you guys can see that screen right there. If you guys can see it, move this out of the way. If you guys can see that, it's very important to know. These are, if you guys have questions about it, these are just some tri tricks you can use when you're dealing with your consumers or your employees, even with yourself. 
just understand these are great ways to build dopamine, cortisol stoppers, and um, actually help build trust. And, you know, three, six, seven rule, I call it. Um, perceptions are hard to change. So understand your first introduction, your perceptions are key. Um, so just keep that in mind. Okay. So I'll, I'll cancel that share right now. I just want awesome. to share that. Thank you. Well, to everybody on the call, um, thanks to Julian's prompt, I am recording and have recorded this. So um, <laughs> aside from missing my intro, which nobody wants to hear anyway, um, I will send this out to everybody tomorrow. Um, if you want to go back and take a listen, or if you want to pass it on to anybody who you think um, would benefit from the conversation. And you're um, welcome, Alexandra. Thank you for being on the call. Yes, um, thank you, Alexandra. And thank you for, you know, the people that have been on the past three calls. Um, we'll certainly look to do more with Julian since there's so much uh, good conversation to be had here. So Julian, thank you as always for taking time today. I know you are at, like everybody else, just super busy. So um, we truly appreciate it. And, I'm enjoying the experience. So thank you. I appreciate it. Awesome. With right. that said, everybody have an awesome afternoon um, and we will see you soon for more information about how you can get involved with tmc connect and witness the power of the network firsthand please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com